0: This is the SFF Audio Podcast.
1: Hi, I'm Jesse.
0: Hello, I'm Paul. And I'm Scott.
2: Hello, I'm Evan. Hello, I'm Jonathan. And we're going to
1: talk about uh is it called Jorel of Jory and other yep. stories? Um, uh, no, 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 no. Black God's Kiss <laughs> and other stories. Black God's Kiss.
3: Well, yeah. oh, the a couple of this. In a couple the of this uh, podcast, it was pronounced Joirie.
1: Joirie? Joirie, yeah. yes. Yeah. Jerelle of Incredibly French uh, for some reason. <laughs> now, um,. Scott, uh, she is French. <laughs> Scott, you need Paul to ask you a question in order to make um, yep, it. podcast. in order
4: for this podcast to happen. <laughs> That's so, right, Scott, I understand this 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 podcast was your idea. Why did you want to do <laughs> T. L. Moore's The Black God's Kiss?
0: Well, let me tell you. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, do um, you guys remember Brian Murphy? I do. Brian uh-huh. Murphy. Brian Murphy the Great. He he wrote a book called um flame and Crimson, which is out? a that's, history
1: that's the new yeah way. okay came
0: sure. out this year a history of sword and sorcery and um i've been you know poking around in that book you know reading sections here and there i'm really enjoying it and then on his blog he posted a, a post called my top 25 sword and sorcery stories um his blog is the silver key the silverkey.blogspot.com
2: great blog
0: yeah, it's a wonderful blog. And he's got uh, 25 of his favorite stories. And I've been working my way through them. I started with some Fritz Leiber because I had that and um, just loved it. Uh, the swords and Deviltry. Um, mm-hmm. Really, really loved it. And a couple of the stories that are in there are on his top 25. So I was poking around, and one of them is Black God's Kiss by C.L. Moore. And I had a copy of that story in The Best of C.L. Moore, a paperback that I have. And then, like we do, I looked for the audio to see is there an audio version of this, and sure as heck there was. Um, so, Skyboat Road, read by Gabrielle Decure, um, did uh, Black God's Kiss, an audiobook. It's available on Downpour and Audible, um, but it's got all six Jarell of Jory uh, stories. And Jarell of Jory is the the female protagonist, the female sword and sorcery protagonist. Of c l. Moore's that she wrote about, and as far as I know uh from what I've looked up, those six stories are the complete stories of uh Jarrell of Jory mm-hmm. and they're all included in that audiobook, and the audiobook is terrific. I thought it was great
1: yeah, uh, Gabrielle de curse really good,
0: yeah, absolutely, and it was interesting so the, this black Gods kiss, the first story um was written in nineteen thirty four and uh, you guys would know this better than me, but that is right uh, when Conan was at peak publication, was it not? hmm Okay. So, so yeah. So, she was right in there. And um, in Brian Murphy's book, I was reading about her, and apparently she corresponded with uh, Lovecraft. And um, they talked about Howard. I don't know. Um, when did Howard pass away?
1: 36. Believe, 34.
0: 36. Okay. So, so, right around that time. So I don't know if she corresponded with Robert E. Howard, but she corresponded with Lovecraft about Howard and um, his influence on her.
3: She actually uh, collaborated with uh, Lovecraft and others. Um, she was one of the authors of Challenger. Challenge of from Beyond.
1: Beyond, yeah, yeah, which I've never read, but uh, I hear oh, it's terrible. Yeah, I hear what happens is I, I guess somebody sets the tone and then. Robert E. Howard fucks it up, and then <laughs> <laughs> Lovecraft fucks it up, and then they, and it's just it's kind of they're playing rather than they're trying to make actually coherent. None of those ever work. I've
3: never it met was, one that uh, works. It was C.L. Moore, um, A. Merritt, H.P. Lovecraft, Robert E. Howard, and Frank Belknap Long.
1: Right. Nice. Wow. Those are called? What what, are the, what kind cool. of What's that called when you got a serial novel like that? A uh, round robin. Round robin. Uh, that's robin, right. Yeah. I've never read one that was. I I, I remember reading a good story. Baldwin. They're funny though.
4: <laughs> yeah. With <laughs> with all the characters were science fiction authors at the at the Philadelphia Naval in 1942. It was written by modern authors that had Asimov and Heinlein and others as characters. Wind up on an interdimensional adventure, and it was weird.
0: It Was yeah. very
4: weird because it kept tonally shifting every time an author changed. Huh.
0: Like, yeah. yeah, you know, I, I do, I do like the uh, some of the collaborative world ones, like Thieves World, sure. uh, edited by aspirin You know, those or, are enjoyable. You know, because but they're not trying to be a novel. Yeah,
4: uh, you're, you're, you're not trying to have the same people in the same story, or, or like true, yeah, yeah, the same or or, or, or or like a Paul Anderson's um, did did one and.
0: I oh, think there was Ellison a Medea. Right? Yeah, Medea for Ma- her Ma- own Ma- Ellison Ma- world.
4: Right. And uh, yeah. Paul Anderson, uh, I forgot the name of. Uh, oh, Murasaki. Yeah, Murasaki was Paul
0: Anderson's right, world, right. which had the twin worlds. Yeah, so. Oh, wow, I've forgotten good. about Murasaki. I'm actually going to look that up. Was it any good? Oh, yeah.
4: Did you read the, 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 those are really good stories. Yeah.
0: That's cool. I'm going to find that. Yeah.
1: So uh, I wanted to just point out that, like. Um, I think C.L. Moore is one of those people who people think wrote under uh, the abbreviated name so that she could hide her gender. Um, If you remember that Deep Space... There's a Deep Space Nine episode where they show uh, Captain Sisko as a writer in the 1950s. Far Beyond the Stars. Okay, there you go. Um, Uh, It's a good episode, yeah. Um, But the (laughs) thing is, is there there's sort of these stereotypes we get somebody's playing with a clicker don't click <laughs> um there's some sort of uh stereotypes we get about this era and weird tales is not a, had tons of female writers like tons um and if you think about just if you think about HP Lovecraft he's not using HP to hide his identity that was just a thing right <laughs> um but more importantly like if you read northwest smith you might, you might not know that it was written by, uh, a woman, but if, uh, in my mind, there's no way in hell that you could read Jor-El of Jorey stories without knowing that it, it is written by a woman. Like, it's just so think- obvious.
3: I I kind of disagree about Nor- Northwest Smith like it's about a guy who is constantly punished for his sexuality by <laughs> uh, vampire women I, I, I don't <laughs>
1: That's true but that happens a lot in other weird tales authors too right it's just true. um uh it's just uh, the, the thing is is Jorel of Jory is so like I I I'd read that Northwest Smith stuff I'd read a few other CL Moore's especially in collaboration with Cutner but I'd never read these before. This is first time for me. And it was like, oh, it's so like, I I would just assume it was a female because it's so much about, uh, and it's not even like, it doesn't feel like a modern female empowerment sort of thing. It's just the female gaze upon herself. And, uh, I, I wanted to, uh, <laughs> like just listening to it over the week, I was like, wow, she really has these things that she's going for and thinking about. And so I wrote a poem and I want to read it for you because, uh, I was like, this is, this is what I'm sensing from these stories as a collection. But each, each, of course, has its own little plot. Um, and they are like the sea, like you can also tell, I think that Northwest Smith was written by, uh, the same person who read the Jarrell of Jory stories because of the way the plots work, but um, the characters, although you can see the similarities, um, one is particularly female. So uh, this is my poem. It's called "Jarrell Meets. My yellow eyes, this flaming hair, I sit impregnable in my mail atop my charging stallion at the sorcerer's castle's gate. The air trembles about me, As magic rises here in post-Roman France, soon I'll journey underground into another pocket universe. I am at the Borderlands. You fools! Remember Guillaume? (laughs) Guillaume? How dare he? Look, you, reader, upon my ironclad form. Look at it. Inside this lobstered armor lays my indomitable heart. Neath my Roman greaves lay these shapely legs. I must hide the kindness of my mouth. Do not forget, dear reader, that that slimy black thing beneath this castle's keep. It is a promise that beyond the purple stars and azure tendrils that I shall resist men at arms. You are of no use. Fall back. These enemies shall fall before my violent will. The indescribable thing. It shall fall beneath my gaze, withered by the blinding berm burning vehemence of my iridescent yellow eyes beneath my keen visor. There I shall give my kisses, and silence shall fall upon you until the next issue. So <laughs> that's the <laughs> sense I get of this... <laughs> This, this storytelling is really weird. It was quite good. I enjoyed that. <laughs> it captured her voice, I think, fairly well. What do you think, John? Should I be sued or put in prison?
3: <laughs> no, that, that that was great. Uh, you can't be uh, sued for uh, writing a poem based on the uh, story. Oh, good. Um, you know. Should I be imprisoned for it though? Uh, no. Uh, why? Why? Would- <laughs>
1: <laughs> Wasn't are that you people? who was arguing that I should be put? Uh, people should be put. No, in prison I mean, for what I was arguing
3: about was was droit moral, um, which is French copyright law. Uh, and, okay, you know, I, I I like it better than what we have in in the United States, but that's that's like a big discussion. It, it'll it'll take over. It'll dominate. Yeah, you shouldn't, the podcast. you
1: shouldn't have those conversations on Twitter. It's just the characters are not long enough for any nuance. I saw okay. there was like 70 comments in that back and forth. And I'm like, Jesus, <laughs> I can sustain maybe five or six before I, I run out of time. But, um, it, it's funny to me. I like, I, I'm making a kind of a, I guess it's what they literally call pastiche, right? Where you, or, or like all those solar pond stories by August Derelith, right? All of the writings he did supposedly collaborating with H.P. Lovecraft. I think, mm-hmm. I think actually in real life, Lovecraft never collaborated with August Derleth, although he collaborated pretty much with everybody else. He particularly <laughs> sort of said, I'm not collaborating with that guy. Even though, you know, he's friendly to him, he was not, he was not like, let's work together. Um, and so, you know, a lot of the, I think, crappy reputation Lovecraft has comes from, from that. But I really think that this is very much um she's, she seems to be operating not on a plot, but on a poet poetic description. Like the plots of these things are very strange. We start the very yeah. first one. She's I just if
0: I could break in just yeah, real go quick. For it. Uh Brian Murphy says it's a mood. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. So so you out. know, as opposed to what Robert E. Howard does, um, you know, her stories are mood driven. Totally mood driven. <laughs>
3: Yeah. I was, you know, listening to it. I, you know, I read it years and years ago before I had ever been published. And listening to it now, you know, after I've, you know, had I don't know how many short stories published, I was thinking, if I wanted to write this and get it published, probably, you know, have to be under 5,000 words. It'd probably have to be like three or 4,000 words. This is a 15,000 word story. It's big. And, you know, maybe 17,000 you know what would have to be cut would be you know all the description and all of the uh you know poetic language it would just have to be you know the basic plot like um you know she's kissed, she goes to the underworld comes back and you know boom the, the story's over um you know it would, it would have to be very short to get it published in today's market
4: yeah, and also, today's market and style is much more concentrated than this. This is what, I think the word language is what I, I'd like to describe it. I mean, she takes her mm. time and immerses the reader in that, in that mood, but it takes a while to get there, be audio or by reading, but that's kind of the point, but today's writing and market, I couldn't see this being published in Strange Horizons or Uncanny or anything, or, or Tor.com or anything like that. It just wouldn't fit today's modern sensibilities for short stories they, they'd want it a lot Not a sh-
1: none of these are short they're all novelettes right yeah. e- each one is right, at least it, an hour and a half that's yeah. a, that's a it's a substantial like meditation sort of
4: but yeah it is a meditation that's a good word that's a good word for it I mean we're, we're we we get into that sort of infused world and mindset and personality of the of the stories for, for long periods. I mean, traveling, traveling through these after these after world the pocket
1: universes places. that are underground. And, and, oh, you know when I left out on my, my, poem, maybe I should put it in the title. Shrive me, shrive me. <laughs> she, she has this repetition thing, right? Where she literally says the same words, maybe a couple of paragraphs apart. And I, 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 I look at this a lot when I'm, you know, highlighting in on paper, but it's like really obvious. Like even if you think about what uh, the order is, we get Black God's kiss and then Black God's shadow. And basically the, f- the first story is all mood. And then the second story, she's brooding on the first story. Hmm.
4: Yeah, yeah. She, she's feeling bad about what she did. She, she did. I mean, I, and I, and I and kind of annoyed me. It's like, I mean, she, took over your castle was going to do bad things to you i'm not sure why you're upset
1: Mm, she's a girl Uh, that's the thing i this is very interesting and evan you you had you were not saving it for the podcast uh direct messaging me so what was it you you uh was
2: first impression well yeah it's it's i didn't find it surprising at all i'd read uh black god's kiss a while ago when i did the when i went to work through the futures female anthology that was included in in that anthology which was published i think last year Mm -hmm. um and i really dug the story then um and i forgot all i said about it when i looked into it but yeah i mean she's i don't know she has some kind of weird love for him so i think it explains why she has this regret I mean, I, I use, uh, you know, she wants to see, it seems she wants to rage fuck him for the entire first story. Definitely.
1: I mean, what, was she, she's willing, is willing one, to damn her soul like, in order to get revenge because she, he wants a kiss, right?
4: Well, not only because he wants
2: a kiss, because, because well, he destroyed her, her, her friends, army. Right?
1: Yeah. But notice we don't see any of that.
2: Well, she's offended by the
1: none of her, none of her she's men, men she's of a, men at arms have names. Talk. <laughs> they, yeah. He just he just dared to defy her, right? <laughs> that was the main yeah.
2: thing. I am General that's about the loss of kingdom. She thinks it's, about him, um, his kind of kiss on her, his kiss, right? Mm-hmm. That's what she's obsessed with. That's what motivates her to go down and get her
3: revenge on him. Well, it, it's a it's a domination. More than in the kingdom. Yeah, it's uh, you know conquest of jorie is. A metaphor for sexual conquest.
1: Mm-hmm. I I totally mm-hmm. see that. It's it's like that's why I'm saying it's it's uh, look. It's possible that a dude who feels like he's a woman wrote this, but I think it's actually it's sort of the female um, mind. In the same way, like I was comparing it in my own mind to Conan. So Conan is very male. Like the, the the plot structure the the thinking about what uh, the, the the gaze so we actually have it on both here um, as a reader you're reading about Conan he's pantherish his his thews right his uh, climbing skill his black mane uh, so we get uh, a male gaze on a male in there but it's 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 more an admiration for his. Um, ability to just get in there and get shit done. That's, that's sort of the experience. And whether he, uh, gets, uh, everything he wants, that's not the important part. He survives and he gets shit done, right? He, su- he manages to figure his way through and survive. That's cool. That's what the males think who are reading it. I'm assuming this is very basic with Jerrell of Jory. The you know like in Conan there's like a there is a a um, real politics some plot going on in the background for example in Jewels of Gweller like,
4: like the last one we exactly right cool so there's that.
1: three guys who are trying to figure out a way to get the stuff into their hands and get out with it and uh, get revenge on their enemies um, but more importantly get the stu- get the goods it's like a heist whereas here there's no heist she is going to show her indomitable... That's why I wrote that poem. It's like, it's all about the set the set piece of her sitting at the gate of a castle. Like, I guess that's in Helgard or one of them. She's sitting at the gate of a castle, or in the case of the very first one, she's brought into a castle, Um, and, you know, she's all tied up or whatever, and then this guy dares to kiss her. And the description of that opening... I would say that's a fifth of the story, right? It's not, it's not, uh, an insignificant part. And then there's a scene where she demands from this priest that he shrive her. (laughs) And then there's a journey into the underworld. thats not really France. I mean, come on, what's going on there. Right. And then there's the, the punishment of that dude. And then the next story is like a brooding upon that. Like maybe I was, too cruel. I should have been kinder. Like, it's very female, in my view. Like, incredibly, incredibly female. So, how could people be confused? I don't think people were. In fact, the letters um, pretty much make it clear. I I think I was tweeting about this, uh, yeah, uh, six days ago. Letters from Weird Tales October 37. So, this is a little bit into it. Uh, But people are uh, hoping that um, there may more Gerald Jory more Northwest Smith, and then uh, one of them said, "Oh yeah, here it is." Um, CL Moore visits uh, Robert Block and Henry Cutner in Beverly Hills, um, and takes uh Cutner uh, takes uh CL Moore on a roller coaster ride, like that's in the letters column. So they know that she's female. The readers know this. So this idea that, you know, uh, women weren't writing uh, and they were using their names. Hide. Some women did that, but the, uh, some men did that, too. Yeah, so it's very, very female. In that, female. So, in that, front.
2: Oh, in that uh, future's female anthology, Yazek deals with this trope, this idea that, that women were hiding their, their gender by using pen names or whatever. And she says that really wasn't true. I mean, there's a few examples of it, but she... She kind of debunks that in the introduction to that anthology. Well, James <laughs> Triptree Jr., I, 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 think I think guess is what everybody's thinking a, of. But that's much that's later.
4: later. Like but, in more Cambelian times and where we get where female writers are more marginalized. I I think in the pulp area female writers were I were were um not as marginalized as they were later on and then it was like comes in a cycle and a wave and then and then in the seventies, female writers start pushing back out again. It's kind of like, but this is this is not a trough. This is more of a more of a crest. Of I I writers. also heard somebody say
1: the weird tales was uh, had mostly male readers. I don't think that that's true. I mean, I, there might might have been a majority of male readers, but the number of letters from females is huge. It's it's not insignificant, and they're grandmas and little girls. So no. it, it, the audience is mixed, absolutely, and I think that's because it's the genre that it is. It's weird. I think
3: the... I'm sorry. Oh, go for Uh, it. Well, the uh, idea of women hiding their their gender in order to write goes back to like George Eliot and George Sons, who were both women who wrote in England and France under the name George and they would, but it was, there was a performance art aspect to it too, because they would go around to uh, literary readings or conventions dressed as men. Right. And, and you know, all of that, but that's where, you know, that idea I think really comes from.
1: Yeah. And there's also, there's also like women who, you know, think they're men back then, as in they wanted to be men. Um, and we see that. So, like, nobody would confuse, um, Jane Austen <laughs> as being a male writer. She's very talented, but her, her focus is not, you know, it's not a male novel. They're female novels. They're all from the female point of view. They have males in them, but it's all about the wedding. It's all about the, can I trust him? Very, very, very female. That's what I thought about all of these stories. They, they, they all blended together as well. Um, Although I don't, I don't remember Kuttner's one Cutner's collaboration being a lot different. But that's one of the things is Cutner is really good at, you know, not imitating but blending in with his wife. So when they did collaborations, they were, I guess, a little usually funnier. I don't know; they're sort of being playful. But I, I, I don't remember that even in this one. You guys.
4: No these these stories aren't playful. I mean I mean Mimsy Where the Bar Grows is playful in, right. in some in some ways, but the, this
1: Lewis um, Padgett pseudonym, right?
4: Yeah, yeah that that but that, that that's a very different beast than what we get here. Well we yeah. what, what, what we what, I mean I mean this, the Starstone is it, is the Starstone the first example of like a crossover mm-hmm. story.
0: <laughs> I mean, no, I mean was, she she, she takes she
4: takes two different series from very very far apart in time and space and sticks the characters together and sees what happens it
1: reminds that's me right. a lot of what they would do in savage sword of conan or or even in conan the barbarian they would is, look elric's here
3: <laughs> you know, well, Burroughs, well, yeah. Burroughs
1: does Paris. it too that's right
4: yeah Burroughs. yeah so it's, a, it's just in that tradition
1: but uh as a sh- in short stories that that would happen frequently, uh, in Savage Sword. They would just take Solomon Kane. And sh- I mean, there was a recent, uh, it wasn't wholly terrible either. Um, crossover with Moon Knight, uh, Conan, Solomon Kane, and Dark Agnes, I think it was, was one of the Robert E. Howard characters. So it, it comes out of that tradition for sure, where people just love these characters and they want to see them cross over. Conan shows up, like one of the Conan stories, it's, it, it's not even really a Conan story. It's, it's a, some Irish dude and he goes into a cave and he, he thinks he's Conan, right? It's kind of, it's a weird, uh, just putting these characters in other places is kind of a traditional thing to do. And with Jarell of jore what's striking, so striking to me is that the Red Sonia character, not the one from Robert E. Howard, but the one from Roy Thomas is very much, um, lifted from Jarelle of Jory. The red hair, uh, for sure, uh, not the yellow, um, eyes, cause that's really weird. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, um, the, uh, kind of anger, uh, at a man who would dare to try to kiss her. That's Red Sonia. And, fact that she's she's supposedly quite a fighter, right? Uh, although we never actually see her fighting, do we? Hmm. Is there any any scene where we see her with her sword in hand chopping? <laughs> well, um yeah, uh, in, in
4: the in the underworld mm-hmm. in a number of points where she's playing right. the small creatures. I don't yes. I mm-hmm.
1: don't think that that's but, uh, again, I think that's that's like not real. Like she's in the under it's not a real like there's like Purple skies, (laughs) orange plants. And like, it's really strange, right? Like we saw that right in uh, the last, um, the tree of life, right? The dude goes into a
2: temple. She kills a lot of people with her sword. Absolutely. I I don't remember. She
0: killed somebody with a sword and he couldn't feel it. I mean, he was asleep.
2: Right.
1: right? Yeah. No dagger. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. She, yeah, she kills a guy through a door.
0: Right.
1: right. <laughs> so she's does, we know she's a killer, but it's not the, the, you know, even in Jules of Gwiler, Conan actually does hit, hit a guy and stab him, right?
3: Mm-hmm. And it's
1: not hidden away. It's, it's almost like she is <coughs> a, a Red Sonya figure on a, sta- on a dais. And there's a description of her and what adventures she must have. But, it's a shying away from the act like I just think how strong that image is of her being brought in before giillam um and and you know kicking in uh, notice she doesn't kick him in the ball she kicks him in the shins and you know in the knees uh she's a gentlewoman kind of even though she's
0: untamed <laughs> <laughs> but it's, yeah so I, I hear you but she was at war right that was right before the that there was a
1: big battle right exactly right, yeah um it, you know you could argue that Shakespeare does the same thing he doesn't put this the battles on the stage uh, but yeah. this is not a play this is a, I was well, thinking why why was it never adapted to film and i think the reason is you can't adapt this really it's a psychedelic you know inner descriptive journey well yeah i would be like trying to put the nightland
0: on film uh, you know i don't know if anyone's well, ever tried to do that
1: that one would be easier because there is a plot there, and there is like mm-hmm. lots of visuals. But this visual reminded sphere. me a
0: lot of it, you know, the the whole exploration, and, you know, Lovecraft, uh you know, at the mountains of madness and and other things, you know, where well, those were are way much more walking around, scientific, looking around,
1: though. seeing the things. This is and very it's trippy, like yeah. like like the colors are incredibly trippy.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: And, and when I had read this years ago, it was sold to me as, oh, Jarrell goes into hell. Mm-hmm. And and I and I bought that at the time. I, I mean I read this a long, long time I And mean, this time when I was rereading, lists, it's like no, this is not hell. This is more like a, this is more like um, voyage to Arcturus in a way. It's like yes. a very strange, phantasmagorical place. This is ne- she doesn't go down to hell. She goes into another. The world Black God entirely. is not
1: not the devil exactly, right?
4: Right, exactly. Right. And I, I, I mean, that's why I took away a lot from this. Like, okay, no, that has nothing to do with the Christian hell in any sense. She's dealing with. Transdimensional stuff in a way that Lovecraft would have appreciated.
0: Yeah, that's that's what I was gonna say. Lovecraftian, very, very much so. Yeah,
1: I was thinking yeah. even, more. Even Clark the priest Ashton was like,
0: you know, I'm not going down there. You <laughs> know? And, and she's got you know a crucifix and things, and that was interesting. Yeah, no, she takes that, but out. it wasn't yeah. helping her in any way. Uh, yeah. But it was like telling her stuff.
4: <laughs> yeah, well, except for the part, it was, I think, in the first story yeah, where, the cru- where the cross kept her from going any further. She had to take right. off the cross. And then she yeah. lost the cross and in the later story. That's felt what I mean. Yeah,
0: it, was, was missing it was it. telling her stuff, but it wasn't protecting it, her anymore. It's, so, it's also, like,
1: so sexual. Like, everything is, uh, I mean, what was the last one? Was it? I can't even remember which one it was. Hellguard. Starstone was the last one. Starstone, okay. One of them, one of them I was listening to. Um, and it was like... Uh, this, this, uh, it was like there, this, I'm not sure. I think it was Helgard. Anyways, there was a, a uh, a ring in a trapdoor that's never seen sunlight. She goes down into it. There's this, this underworld that's full of, it's it so much reminds me of Tree of Life. It's, it's like, it's an underworld journey, um, and it's all to, they're there. They feel all very similar. So they're all blending together for me, but she's going into this underworld. She, she experiences all sorts of things. Um, she, she literally says impregnable twice, right? Um, it comes back out and then, Oh, we're back in France, but it, it never really was France because she's got yellow eyes. Right? So it, like where? What part of France is Joiri
2: in? I don't think she, yeah, she the cares. The time is the time is weird, right? Absolutely. Just, the, the, like in the first story, I'm thinking, well, they're they're talking about like a Roman yeah, past, just post Roman. Right? So I'm thinking recently, early Middle Ages, but then they mentioned guns in one story and,
4: and, 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 and then you're 1500 in another. So yeah, yeah then we, we learn it's 1500. Yeah,
2: we, yeah, that that confused like me the too this
4: time. Yeah, it's like when is when is. When and where is are these stories set? The stories don't are inconsistent.
2: Yeah, and, and it, it kind of it kind of works for me more like in the early Middle Ages, where you it's like pre or it's like tr- transitioning to Christianity, where you still have all these kind of pagan beliefs out there, mm-hmm. and I was like yeah, fifteen
3: hundred seems tradition. a little late for for pagan yeah. beliefs. Well, sword and sorcery generally does that. Like, it's not set in a specific time and place, but it combines a lot of different times and places into a kind of a, a, a world.
0: Yeah, that's a great point. I agree with that. Yeah. It's not meant to be historical, right?
3: Yeah. So if it, it would be historical fiction.
0: Yeah, know. like, uh, well, it's, you know, Robert E. Howard, the Hyperion Age? Hyperion Age? What, what is Hyborian. that? Hyborian. Hyborian age, right. You know, he's exploring a lot of that. But, you know, what is that? Well, it's 10,000 years ago, right? <laughs> right. Well, yeah. So, yeah.
3: The Hyborian age is uh, the oceans were uh, lower and it's kind of the land around where England and Ireland um, was, except not covered by uh, the, the ocean.
0: Yeah. And then you have Jack So Vance, basically Doggerland. Know, right. Yeah. Doggerland. Jack Vance and some of the dying Earth stuff right? That was far future. Yeah. Fritz Leiber's world is not anything that's real. Yeah. It seems yeah. to be something connecting, you know, those, the sword and sorcery sub genre is just not set in a, in a record, you know, a definite place, but it, it's like, it's recognizable, but not um, trying to be accurate in any way to a historical period. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. It,
3: it, it does that in, intentionally. Like, um, you know, if you read about Howard and how he started to create Conan, he had wanted to write historical fiction and then it was just too limiting and, you know, he wanted to do this and that. So he just kind of combined a lot into, uh, y- you know, a world that was bigger than it would have been if he was stuck in, in one specific time or place.
1: I th- i was thinking a lot about um, – there's there's a there's – a, genre it's not i don't know genre is the right word for it uh, a pulp called the spices sure. um, and they're they're kind of porno- pornographic is it, they're stories but they're the point uh, point of them is probably probably uh, it's it's as close to pornography as you can get at the at the period that's not actually like still photographs right uh, cuz they, they they of course had Films, but they're not widely distributed, right? Uh, you can't get them on YouTube <laughs> or whatever. You can't uh, download them. So, uh, you know, if you're some country country uh, or small village guy and you want a subscription to uh, pornography, you get a spicy. What's cool about Weird Tales is they would try and draw in the audience through spicy. So you see, like, a lot of covers have women with whips. <laughs> and uh women whipping each other or in the in the case of the the first one here uh black god's kiss there's a woman uh kissing a statue right um so there's this uh this is going to be a sexy story but also it's a story that's a little it's like a i don't know high class pornography or or if you guys remember in the 80s they had this it was weird like they would have a movie like um uh, I don't know, lethal weapon. <laughs> and they'd have like a sex scene in it. I'm like, wait a second, isn't this a cop movie? Like looking at it now, it's really strange. Why would they have this? Um and it's it's like, oh, that is weird. Because now if you like look at an action movie, they don't have a sex scene in it. They they almost go the opposite direction because they're that's available elsewhere. So the weird tale is kind of weird in that it can offer All sorts of different things, but there are still ways of selling it to the audience. And uh, I think that that dreamy um, here's a powerful woman who really ultimately wants to be dominated, even though she says she doesn't. That's kind of the appeal.
0: And I, it sounds. Mm, I don't. I don't don't know. I don't know uh, specifically. She. You know. It's a complicated thing being a woman in that time period right yes tell me tell me about it fellow man (laughs) (laughs) yeah i hear you on that too but i mean that's how i see it i guess i agree is it's an extremely complicated thing you know so she's she's um fighting in battles right you mm -hmm. know a place that is not normally for women and at the same time you know uh there's always the threat of some man Taking you. Absolutely. Right? Ravishing. Right? So so there's that. And then she's also the leader. You know, what's best for my uh, kingdom? Not right? a very good leader would it be in my great view. for the kingdom if there was a powerful uh, army protecting it? You know, so I'm just saying that I feel like it's complicated. So you say she wants to be dominated. I don't know about that.
1: Well, think about how the, uh, the she denies it in the first one. right? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, denies it. She denies
0: the, the guy, right? She's, she's just been defeated. She's in battle, literally been he,
1: dominated by him. And he is
0: him. taking, yeah, right. And that's what she was rebelling against. Was it not? Yes. And then after, after the fact, after she did what she did, she had regrets about that. And she says, right. well, maybe, maybe this guy, uh, You know, maybe I loved him or or however deep you want to get into that.
1: I don't know a ton Um, about uh, her personal life other than later on in life. Didn't she remarry
0: and. See all more. Yeah. 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 I'm not going to be able to answer that. And John
1: didn't, didn't her her later husband sort of fuck up her estate.
3: Yeah, um, her uh, second husband, after Henry Kuttner died, she remarried, and her second husband did not want her writing and was kind of embarrassed about her writing career and kind of took out copyrights and a lot of her stories in order to suppress them. Um, So, you know, she was a very prolific writer, probably one of the most prolific science fiction writers Mm -hmm. with kutner of the 20th century and very little uh, of her work is is commercially available Mm
1: -hmm. yeah and that uh, so like i don't know that i don't know what her personal life is like obviously she hit it off with kutner um i know that at first he didn't know that she was female i guess this is before the of jury stories came out because it's so obvious Um, (laughs) on the other hand,
4: I I, I think you say that from the benefit of hindsight, Jesse, um, it's hard to put ourselves in the time period of the time of the readers to say that it's obvious. I mean, it's obvious to us now because we know the answer. I think that might be coloring. I I guess. You know, know, an
0: interesting thing to look about, you know, to illustrate what Paul's saying. Remember KJ Parker? No. And how how people were wondering whether that was a, a male or a female.
3: Right, the and then he,
0: he came out as a male,
3: <laughs> but yeah. so
0: many people were positive he, uh, he was female.
3: And you know, James Tiptree Jr., of course, uh, What's you know, him? people were convinced uh, that was a man.
4: i mean, yeah, yeah, Robert Silverberg wrote this long essay about, yeah, it's like how, how tr- 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 tr-
1: Well, the God, name is, is James
4: the one best male writers of our generation, and right. all this stuff. Well, he probably like,
1: wouldn't have said best male writers, just best writers. Um, he is a male. Um, is
4: I, I I think he actually yeah he he specifically weird. was convinced of his gender, that's just weird. and then, then then when it came out it was kind of like egg on Silverberg's face like oops. <laughs> uh,
1: uh, uh, is there something particularly female? I don't want, I don't really want to uh, get into this. Uh, I'm just thinking like J.K. Rowling. She's a person. I don't want to get into the, all all that. Oh, no. it's a sideshow. But the important part is the J.K. is is initials. And I'm thinking like, I'm thinking about Harry Potter. I don't think that the structure there is, is very, uh, female particularly. I think some of the details are, are female, but I don't think the structure is female. Um, so, and like, you know, the main characters, uh, Harry Potter, he's a dude. Um, so I think that there are cases where you you can't tell. Obviously there are cases where you, maybe, are unable to tell. Uh, but I also, I think it's like, I don't know, it seems incredibly obvious to me that this is... You have to get into sort of thinking like a woman mode. Love uh, Lovecraft doesn't do that ever, right? He's, he's very abstract and uninterested in that thing. But Philip K. Dick does it a lot. He does sort of get into uh, thinking how women think. And and often in short stories. So you like get a story and like, Oh, there's this. And, uh, this is how he will, she will act. And he's, it's kind of like a, it's a empathy thing. You get into their head and try and understand them. And that's actually kind of what is, is going on between the first and the second story is that she is seeing everything from her. It's, it's like, look at me in my amazing armor, in my, shocking red hair in my, you know, yellowy eyes. And then the next one is, oh, what I did to him, right? Oh, I don't know if that was right. In fact, I think it was wrong. What have I done? (laughs) So she's trying to get into his head, but she created both characters. That is, Moore did, right? Um, And the Guillaume is so iconically, like, exactly what he is. He's got that black beard, split by his white teeth, right? And Mm -hmm. he says exactly the thing that, you know, it was like, uh, your hands are like daggers, but your mouth, perhaps it is sweet. And then she bites him. And then uh, almost takes his carotid artery out, right? It's very, (laughs) it's very obvious to me that this is like uh, some sort of female domination fantasy. And I think she's writing it on purpose to get the cover, <laughs> to get that extra bonus of 250 bucks or whatever it is for the cover. Or maybe it's 25 bucks. But it would be equivalent of a lot of money. Um, and then that success, it's like, like a successful, like this isn't, um, like Lovecraft is a weird guy. He's writing stuff for himself and, you know, amateur journals. And then he happens to be able to sell it. That's cool. Right, but he wasn't good on submissions. He didn't like submitting. Whereas Seal, Moore, and Cutner are both trying to be professional writers, trying to make livings at it, and and they are. And same with Howard. He's aiming for the cover. When something isn't working, he just changes it up, moves to a different market. It, it that's why why a lot of the stuff that's in there is like that. So, I uh, I think this is an interesting combination. She is able to provide some, uh, sort of a need for the market you you guys didn't find that any of this stuff to be true
2: like like it's well i was it. i was thinking about this slightly differently um have, have any of you ever read uh and douglas's book the feminization of american culture Mm-mm. no 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 i haven't probably not a book you read unless you have it, a graduate advisor like i have <laughs> <laughs> uh uh a 19th century, Ameri- a historian of 19th century America who was a feminist and wrote a book about gynecology. He's a, he's a great guy. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but anyways, I, it's been a while since I read it. So I was thinking a little bit about this, though. And this is just the the blurb on Amazon. Mm-hmm. This modern classic by one of our leading scholars speaks to explain the values prevalent in today's mass culture by tracing them back to their roots in the Victorian era. As religion lost its hold on the public mind, clergymen and educated women, powerless and insignificant in the society of the time, together exerted a profound effect on the only area open to their influence, the arts and literature. So she's she's talking here about both men and women, mm-hmm. right? um, clergymen and middle class women. Uh, women wrote books that idealized the very qualities that kept them powerless, timidity, piety and a disdain for competition, sentimental values that permit permeated popular literature, continued to influence modern culture, preoccupied as it is with its with glamour, banal, melodrama, and mindless consumption. Um, so you think here of, when you look at the 19th century, you think of like Uncle Tom's Cabin, right? Like mm-hmm. Most people think about that book as an anti-slavery book, but it's really sentimental mm-hmm. literature, right? And it really dwells on like this relationship between the mother and the, and the child and all that kind of stuff. But anyways, C.L. Moore's not doing that. Obviously, she is doing something that's kind of break that's fighting against these values. Mm -hmm. If Douglas is right, that really this feminization of American culture really means the introduction in popular culture of this a certain representation of 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 women. That's she's doing something really really different here. And I I was thinking it's more like it's like she's almost like a. Flapper, almost in, in some ways and <laughs> that she's embracing her sexuality mm-hmm. she's out there she's got the power right of course women get the right to vote in 1919 so there is the rise of women in the 20th century that's completely con- we can contrast with the decline of women's status in the 19th century and i think she's trying to do something in this kind of uh, as the real status of women is changing in culture and she's creating this literary uh this literary creation that it's definitely doesn't do literary. any of that stuff. I mean, there is a uh, there is like romance there, but it's it's this rage, it's this it's really hot in a way. I I, yes. I found it it's really I don't know, no one's really talked about that yet, but I I found it really kind of sexy and I think I was pretty about hot how, like her rage for them, but with this passion and this. Love she has for Guillaume, yeah.
3: You know, the way I read it is kind of in the context of other C.L. Moore stories. Like, if you look at the Northwest Smith stories, in each story, uh, Smith encounters some kind of female mm-hmm. force, and each one is a different female sexual archetype, like, you know, the vamp or, or whatever. And it's almost like C.L. Moore is role-playing as these different absolutely archetypes. She, she in- would
1: totally be like—today, she would totally be able to make her— career as uh you know a streamer or something or probably like a sex a sex streamer i'm not saying that but that's all she could do i'm just saying like that is kind of the, the it's is it, 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 she's she's writing it of course but the yeah, thing but is, is there's just it, it's a, like a sexuality
3: performance But in in of Joire, I thought she was doing something different. I thought that Jarell was a stand-in for Ciel Moore, like an idealized version of her. Like you know, she sat down and said, "I want to be Joan of Arc," and she totally, totally Joan
1: of Arc, right? Uh, But less holy, (laughs) (laughs) right? She she she's she's willing to take off that cross in order to get, you know the power back because how dare he um like don't you know i'm jor of jory this is my place right well i've never even heard of jory except from her so like, <laughs> if this is some part of france it's it's not the part i know uh, it's it's uh, like the martian france or something it's very different Ooh, so <laughs> it, it, I like mean- come on it's completely different right
3: well, her being a less holy version of Joan of Arc also kind of ties into other, other sword and sorcery. Like in Conan, there's the famous scene where Conan is crucified and then just does the exact opposite of what happens in, uh, you know, the, the crucifixion. And, and mm-hmm. you know, he's like biting the heads off the vultures and like pulling at the nails and, and cursing out the people who are cru- crucifying him and all that, you know, it just plays That's out in, in reverse. And, and I think...
1: That also made the cover. That's and in fact that issue has. I, I was tweeting about that issue because it has a CL Moore Jorah of Jory story in it. I think it's Black God Shadow, uh, yeah, and um, that made the cover. And on the cover for A Witch Shall Be Born, in, you don't see Conan on the cross, which is on the co- cover of Savage Sword. Rather, you see uh, two basically twins, uh, one whipping the other. And they're both wearing red dresses, right? Like, it's super obvious. Uh, Another great Margaret Brundage cover. It's designed to whip up the sensations, right? (laughs) It's designed to attract the eye and make you buy it. And also the story inside has that too, but it's, it's very, it's very interesting. She's not, um, she's not, uh, what you would think of your chaste grandma. Or great grandma in this case, right? She's very uh, open about it. I think. I, I mean, literally says "impregnable" twice within the space of a page and a half.
4: Oops, sorry. I was I was muted um, because I have lots of cars driving by and I want you to that to add to the podcast
1: or subtract or or, <laughs>
4: or subtract from the podcast. Um you know she's not she's not your she's she's not your kindly grandmother though that's true. Um, well,
1: no she it's not that she's not kindly it's that she's not chaste, right she's she, not she, she literally wants to be chaste, c h a s e d. And that that, um, yes, that attention yes and is, no. is wanted. Yes and
4: no I mean you you get to hellguard and, and 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 this Demon says, "Oh, I'm going to make you my bride," and Jarell says, "Hell no, <laughs> that's not going in fly. In Hellguard, that's not going to fly. I'm going to find a way to, I'm going to find a way to destroy you. And if I can't do that, then I'll destroy myself so you can't have me. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure about this whole. No, yes, yeah,
1: it, 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 it is another like it's a domination thing, right? So dom- but I'm not into, but, yeah,
4: but she doesn't want to be on the bottom. She wants myself. to be on the top."
1: That's what I'm saying. It's a like a dominatrix thing, not, uh, but also it's a play, right? It's like a back and forth, and that's a good. Uh, was Quest of the Starstone one, where there's this moldy trunk, like a, there's mm-hmm. a yeah a leather clad iron bound thing that's been underground, and then at the end, uh, the dude's like, hey, um, uh, yeah, that trunk thing that was not the point of this adventure, um, and and he says, and in fact. I recommend you don't open it. And so she gives it to her enemy. Right? And no. what's in there?
4: <laughs> um, same th- The same thing that's in the, uh, the the trunk in Pulp Fiction. Exactly. It exactly. doesn't matter. In some,
1: in, it's in, a left in, up to the reader imagination.
4: And I found, and, and because, because it's been a long time since I read this, I, I, I was wondering, like, how is Northwest Smith and Jarrell going to get along? And there is no... Sexual tension for back unresolved and not between the two of them. I mean, first Nor- first Northwest is trying to you know follow this follow this quest and then then they team up relatively quickly, but there's nothing between them. They're kind of like just comrades in arms, and there's no attraction between the two of them. Maybe that's because because Northwest keeps just winding up running running up against vampire women on Mars, and, <laughs> and so she doesn't know what to do when he runs into Jarell. But you know. As you do. Yeah, well, he's a
1: kind of—he's way more polite than she is. It,
4: it, it's a lot more chaste than I thought it would be. I mean, I mean, his venusine is more into girly. It'd be a hits. bit like
1: Solomon Kane and Conan making out. You really don't want to mix those
4: I mean, two. You no, know, I don't want to see that in Yeah,
1: that
4: might that might float some people's boats, but not mine. <laughs> what do
2: you guys think of Jervisme? the uh, sorceress? Yeah, how do how do you interpret that? Because I think there we really see how like Moore is really uh, embracing this this deep kind of chaotic emotion mm-hmm. in her hero, Jarell, and that's contrasted. I think Charisma is she's more like a like, almost like like scientific view mm-hmm. almost, even though she's a magician compared to Jarell's. Like, just very, very intense emotion. I think in that way too, she's kind of taking on maybe some tropes about what women are about at the time mm-hmm. and kind of running with them.
0: Mm-hmm. This cool, the
2: over emotional, the, the 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 stereotype of women being overly emotional. And I think at a time again with the rise of women in the twentieth century, I think it's an interesting time to kind of try to redeem that that it, that stereotype and
1: make it a weapon that's sounds right
3: mm-hmm. well jurizme she wanted power over over that land and yeah I, she was going to get it by marrying the guy or killing the guy and uh, it didn't make a difference to her which way she went but you know she just saw Jirel as an obstacle because Jirel was going to marry the guy even though it was against her will so uh, Jirisme she just wanted the power and whatever path she took that that was okay with her she was that's a very classic uh, type of villain
4: yeah Jirel's just an obstacle to her own power yeah. that's yeah that's the, that's the extent of
1: the rivalry of Sounds right. I think it's hard to uh, sort of talk about a whole bunch of stories that are so similar. Remember, most but of these would be separated always, by years. The first and second one were not.
4: But, the, but that's the interest. That's an interesting thing that she, her, her, mani- her managing to hit the same sort of tonal notes again and again so that yet. They, it's they a, feel it's, that a, they it's a personality together, but, she's
1: putting on for sure.
4: Yeah. It, and it's a feature, not a I mean, maybe it's that's a feature, not a bug, because it's like I came into one end of this and came out at the other. And it, yes, the plots aren't that much, but it felt like it's the same sort of experience. It's almost like listening to to a to a symphony where 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 the movements are similar, not the same, but right. similar, so that you come you come in one end and go out the other, and you've listened to this music and been through this experience. I mean, I mean the the, the ones that the ones that are most distinct to me are the first one where we get her established and she goes into hell, and and the last one where she has has her adventure with Northless Smith. The other the other ones are much more kind of like which hap- what happened in which story again? I'm not. Yeah, right. Hell's
1: Guard is so similar to that back half of of uh, Black God's Kiss. Yeah, it, it, they are really. It feels that's a good way of putting it. Like it's. It's when you hear the Imperial March, you know, mm-hmm. in Star Wars oh, or whatever. Don't. It's the return of the the this particular theme. So, it, it I think this is why there isn't an adaptation uh, of any of these stories. It'd be very difficult to do. You know, I, you can't I, do a Jorel of Jory I, I series. Could,
4: TV I, show. I, I I could see you could do it. Do um, you remember the nineteen sixties Spider-Man cartoon? Yes. So, so I mean, and that that was really stylized, really strange. I mean, there was one episode where New York gets basically lifted off of its foundations, and man has got to get Manhattan back to where it belongs. But the, like the the music and the tones and the imagery were very stylized and very. I mean, it wasn't so much the plot; it was like. It was trying to establish the place, and I think you'd be that—that that sort of animation sort of thing. Mm,
1: animation might do, work, yeah. Maybe, you, maybe you anime the, in, in general. I'm—I I don't understand yeah. anime, anyways. This would probably fit right in. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, I don't yeah, understand yeah, really, the aesthetic. Why is this happening? How does that make sense? Uh, That would—that would totally make yeah, sense.
4: Yeah, get get somebody to do do, do, the, do the music. I think that's the best way to do
1: it. Color works too, right? <laughs> Right, and yeah. The logic, and, you know, this is France. <laughs> really, it's
4: France, but it's not France. Yeah, it's <laughs> sixth century and fifteenth century France. It's what the, the Japanese
1: th- want to think France looked like <laughs> in <laughs> somewhere between three hundred AD and fifteen hundred AD.
4: <laughs> yeah, they, they, where the anachronism. Yeah, I mean, you get away with that sort of anachronism and so things not working quite the way you expect them because, yeah, because it's clearly. Not a historical period. Yeah, I think anime would be the best way to sort of adapt these stories. Okay, now I want a Jarrell Drury anime series, guys. (laughs) Tell me, Hollywood.
0: Yeah. So it says here in in Brian Murphy's book Uh um, that Moore's last story of Jarrell appeared in 1939. Yep, I'm looking at it right now. These all appeared within a five-year span. And then... um, Starstone was the last? Uh, Hellsguard. Yeah, I think Hellsguard was the last.
4: Oh, so
0: um, Starstorm was
4: the last in the in the in the book we read, so right, I thought they right. were chronological. They m-
1: trend- move it around in different collections. It's it's quite strange. I'm not sure why they do that. I think Black God's Kiss and Black God's well, Shadow the, the are the definitely in order.
0: Yeah, Dorel of yeah. Jory. Uh, that that book doesn't have the crossover in it. You know, it ends with Hell's Guard. But anyway, it says here she declined to write further stories. Reportedly because both she and the public taste had changed. And that's a quote from uh De Camp hmm. in a book called Conan's Compeers. <laughs>
1: Compeers? So, How do you spell that?
0: Compeers. C O M P E E R S. Oh, I get it. Okay.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah.
3: You know, in uh 52, she published a story called Judgment Night in Campbell's mm-hmm. Astounding, which is very similar to Jarelle Um, to um mm-hmm. But it's a science fiction story in, in John W. Campbell's Astounding. It's about a woman who's this warrior woman. She's very chaste uh she's you know a a warrior and she's about to go off to battle and she wants to be a woman for one night so she sneaks off to this pleasure planet in order to see what it's like to be a woman for one night before battle and she meets a man and falls in love with him and it just so turns out that he is the commander of the enemy army that she's about to go fight Mm -hmm. it's a very good
1: Wow. Wow. What a coincidence. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Twist, <laughs> yeah. but
3: you know, it's it, 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 although it's a different genre, like thematically and mm. the way it's written, it, it's very similar to. She's um, definitely, Racket.
1: she's very distinctive writer. Like that's yeah. why that's why when you when she's writing with Lewis Paget, like or as Lewis Paget or in any of the other collaborations with Cutner, I, I just assume it's all Cutner because Cutner seems to have. Um, I don't know. He has a wider range, it seems like, but more by herself. They always feel like this, like they're always, there's this underworld, <laughs> you know, there's this other place. There's this relationship that's, it's, uh, run away, chase me. <laughs> and also I'm angry, but it's all love. And, uh, <laughs> that's, it's a weird thing to think about, even with. Uh, you know, even the stories just in Weird Tales, because you, you get, you get a, I don't know, maybe there is less, maybe it's not less range, but she's distinctive in the same way that I feel like Lovecraft is, or Howard, or Clark Ashton Smith, very distinctive. Like there, you know, when you're reading them and you also kind of know when other people are ripping them off, it feels mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, this is that, right? This is sort of their niche that they dig. She, she's writing for herself, but what she's selling is, is popular. So the idea that the tastes have changed, I don't know. I, that doesn't sound right to me. I think that that might be, you know, something she will later come to regret. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like, um, the black god's, uh, kiss being black god's shadow. Um, I think that, you know, we don't really know why we do stuff, ultimately. We have rationales for it. But what changed between 1939 and
3: 1941? That there was a shift from fantasy to science fiction. And, and, and also a war. That there was a war.
1: And, and yet you you pointed out exactly that. Judge, maybe the length is what changed. Judgment
3: Night. Oh, Judgment Night is, is a novella. Yeah. It's pretty...
1: A little longer, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, I want to try... I, I somehow... I think I've seen that maybe in Astounding. Maybe. Did it take the cover? Yeah. It's
3: a a really good story too. Yeah. It sounds
1: good.
0: I really like that idea. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. So I I really enjoyed these stories. You know, we we talked about the setting and stuff, but she really hasn't spent a lot of time in France. No, it's Um, all in those. The the stuff that I I remember about these stories is the supernatural stuff, Mm -hmm. which I really enjoyed in all of them. I mean, all of them had that similarity of her leaving wherever she is, going somewhere supernatural, spending a lot of time there. Um, Lots of descriptions, but yeah, I I found it riveting. I I really enjoyed those descriptions. Um, And, you know, the, the, the haunted one, you know, with the ghost and she'd stand in the blood stain and turn off the lights. And (laughs) I mean, that was awesome. Mm -hmm. I I thought that was really great. And, and uh, going to the black God, in the first story. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was pretty intense and I enjoyed all the description. Um, I thought it was all very interesting. She's very then, good.
1: Very talented at yeah, the description. Very, very That's talented. what it is. Right. And we That's mentioned the story.
0: That, you know, it is kind of like poetry in a way. Absolutely. There, it was very well written, very well written, but I enjoyed yeah. all those trips. And then only the crossover episode. I mean, she did leave her where she was at that time, you know, and that was it. That was just an interesting, fun one. But again, into another universe, right? <laughs> into another universe, right. <laughs> That's <laughs> yeah, yeah.
3: yeah they, they,
4: I mean, I, w- I was thinking as I was reading that story, I was thinking of – you mentioned you mentioned very early in this podcast Thieves' World, Scott. Mm-hmm. And there's a story where a couple of Thieves' World characters wind up in another world. They take the skull and wind up in another world and they're afraid they're going to get trapped there. But they eventually they get out but there's a few people left behind who are going to be stuck with the monsters on that world I kept thinking of that story as I was reading as I was listening to Star so I was like oh um crap so it's like if they get stuck there it's gonna be just like these world and they're gonna be yeah. in a world where they can't get out again then awesome they have to eventually die so I wonder if that was that that story was not an homage back to this one
1: well let me um, offer a uh, an idea that I think and a name that hasn't been mentioned yet so When Lovecraft talks about his own writing and his own models, typically he starts with Poe and then he talks about Dunsany, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And the thing is, is with Dunsany, he's picking up a particular thread that Dunsany was putting down, which was the dream, the dream reality, the other world. But there is a whole other aspect to Dunsany's writings of, of the fantastic that Lovecraft doesn't pick up, which is the thief the the guy who like in the tale of uh, satampa zero so i think it's called um they go off into uh you know some jungle place where it's forbidden to go some dead city and they try and steal stuff and there's a horrible thing lurking in a black pot right? <laughs> <laughs> and it comes out and it eats one of them and then it tears the other guy's arm off and then that's the end of the story right like um, so what I see uh, in the connection there is that both of them, uh, Dunsany, uh, both um, uh, Lovecraft and uh, Moore are picking up Dunsany ideas, this, this fantastic sort of weird world that's outside of our reality. With Dunsany, he's really the first guy to sort of come up with these alternative uh, secondary worlds. And then King, King of Elfland's daughter. Right? King of Elfland's yep. daughter is a good example. Um, and in that case, it is a quest into the uh, into the other world that's within that one in France, in fact, right? <laughs> practically right. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then turning it like dark, right? It's a black. God, he ain't. He ain't. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. a friendly sky god. He isn't a an otherworldly creature under the sea. He is a drippy. Uh, scary, cold stone. Um, and we see this in Clark Ashton Smith as well. That's why the the poetic part of it's it's cool. But um, that Thieves' World phenomenon where you've got a whole bunch of stories where there's some dark sorcery going on and characters who want something going on a little quest, perhaps for a star stone or whatever. Um, Hell's guard. I mean, it's right in there, right? Guards of hell. <laughs> Um there's this Well that we'll guard
4: to hell guard G R D is kind of like fortress. So like uh, Hell uh, Fortress. Aka guard. guarding,
1: right? Right. There there's this idea of yeah. this this kind of uh um going in and getting, going in and taking. And she's reacting to that negatively and also she's doing it, right? So it's she's absolutely being playful. And she's doing it in a way that Dunsany was not. Dunsany is kind of like being cutesy about it, where she's being like, uh, I don't know, lingerie serious. <laughs> if that, maybe that's a good uh, game name. I should change my name.
4: Lingerie serious. Lingerie serious. Like, this sounds like Leisure Larry's cousin.
0: Exactly. <laughs> lingerie serious. Leisure.
2: Well, I, I found. Wow. I found Terrell kind of quite. Uh, ambivalent about all this magic mm-hmm. and all these other worlds oh, she, oh, throughout yeah, the she, stories. Like in the very first one, like she goes there sort of as a last resort, you know, cause that's the only way she can defeat, get her revenge on Guillaume. And when she gets the kiss, she actually says like, she can't, she feels it affecting her in a way and she has to get rid of this. Right. Mm-hmm. And she has this kind of hostile Visceral kind of rejection of it. She's much more comfortable. You mentioned that she you never, Jesse, you never mentioned that you never really steer with her sword, but that's clearly where she's much more comfortable. She's much more comfortable in in this world. That's what she know, says with her armor on her horse. That's yeah, what she but, says, and I, I think that's true though. And then in Terrell meets magic. She's in a position where she has to defeat magic, and she does it with emotion. It's like her magic, I guess, mm-hmm. is her her rage mm-hmm. and her. But she's always love going for those places, her different right? passions. But you know this weird geography or temporal geography. We don't quite, you know, it's not clear where we are until we get to the end and we're told it's 1500. The first story we feel like we're in the, like right after the Roman empire, right? The barbarian kingdoms. Uh, so it's, she's kind of this, you kind of, she, I see her more of a much more modern figure. That's what I wanted to say. You guys she's see- much more of the Renath Jarrell. She's reacting. She, she has this very uncomfortable relationship with, with the past, with the magic. There's um
1: uh, I don't I've not read I don't think any Lavi Tidar anybody read any yeah
4: well Lavi Tidar mm-hmm. I've read Lavi Tidar I read he's some he... too
1: so there's a collection of his I think he's a his right yeah yeah he's a he <laughs> he's a his um, called uh, Black God's Kiss and it's about a character named Gorel of Goloris
4: he does he does that a lot I mean he, he's got a he's got a novel where where Hitler's up. Private. Uh he he loves to play with tropes and with old stuff and remix them. He's got he's got uh not, not him saying, he's got Osama bin Laden in one of his novels. He 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 does
1: that just to like magpie. The poke at people. Sounds like a magpie.
4: Yeah, he he, he very, very much is like poke poke poke. So, I mean he's a great guy in person. I met him in, in uh, WorldCon in Helsinki, but yeah, he his fiction is like poke poke poke.
1: Yeah, so it seems like uh it's it's sort of a Western version of, uh, the original Black God's Kiss, obviously done through, I haven't read it, but I'm reading the reviews and it's like, oh, I see. Yeah. It's, it's, it's that thing that John hates. <laughs> Maybe not. Well, um,
3: won't get into
1: it. <laughs> 70 comments later. <laughs> I, uh, I don't know. Um, I, I, I was thinking about this in the shower this morning. It's like, I, I read a whole bunch of those, um, August Derleth stories that were, um, solar ponds, right? It's the adventures of the solar ponds. And it's just Sherlock Holmes with the name filed off and replaced, you know, like there's a, like a sticky tape over it. And there's the Dr. Watson is Dr. Horace or something like that. Can't remember his name. And I was thinking, was there any of those? that were as good as any of the original Arthur Conan Doyle Sherlock Holmes. And honestly, I don't remember a single one of them. Like, I remember the the Silver Blaze and Hound of the Baskervilles and the Red-Headed League. I remember those. Like, I can tell you the plot backwards and forwards on those ones. I can't remember a single one of the Solar Pond stories, and yet I remember enjoying the heck out of them. And thinking August Derleth is a good writer, which is hilarious, because he isn't. He's often terrible. So, and yet there have been movies of Sherlock Holmes stories that are, I think, very good, but they tend to be parodies, like um, without a without a clue, you know,
4: <laughs> or Sherlock Holmes' smarter brother.
1: Yeah, and yeah. I, I like I, I was saying, I think probably in the last Conan one. That yeah, the adventure of Sherlock Holmes, smarter brother, great, great movie, very fun, right? Um, but the thing is, is is there, is there any case to be made that you can find like uh, the the last Conan one? Right? I I mentioned, or maybe I was talking to somebody uh, off the podcast, but basically, like there is, there's no good Conan story uh, except one's written by Robert E. Howard, and the only exception i could have come up with was one where conan fights a magnet <laughs> fights a magnet yeah there's like a magnet in Kaite. <laughs> and it's like oh that's a cool idea and it was a cool sort of idea but it wasn't like the the, the writing of it was not good and and i noticed that yeah, that's just, quite we, different we
4: discussed the, i think we to be talking about the camp in that episode yeah i was, uh, oh, you don't like the, the camp. camp stuff
1: yeah well i just don't think i don't think um, like, it,
4: it's hard to capture the same lightning. That yeah, I, don't the can, author does I don't
1: think it can. I don't think it can be Conan done,
4: or for, sure, or for Holmes. It, I'm, I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think of an example where somebody's taken a public domain character like that and done it. I mean, maybe League of Extraordinary Gentlemen? Maybe no,
1: if you squint. But they're not even. The, but they're not. The, you know, the, the, he's doing his own thing with them, right? He, none of them is the yeah, story of.
3: Yeah, he's not doing the same story. Any of those um,
1: individual people.
3: The one guy who, you know, really takes a lot of pulp characters is uh, Philip Jose Farmer.
1: Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, also um But he puts Fred, his own Saber, stamp on does
4: it. some things with yeah, Fred Sabre does a few things with Dracula and a couple other things.
1: But they, so, they yeah. put his own they, like with jose farmer he puts his own stamp on it like he's got he's this, got the
4: whole world Newton idea yeah he connects everybody together but
1: even when he's you know when he has uh, sir richard burton running around in the afterworld or whatever um it's little, still yeah. his own like it's his own attitude um <laughs> he doesn't pretend to take on the attitude of of any of the writers he's lifting from
3: you know, with, with these, uh, they continue the series after the author dies. It's a lot of times it's a work for hire, and Absolutely. you know, regardless of what you're doing, you're not going to get good stories from a work for hire, or it's very rare. Um, you know, ghost writers just, you know, that they're, they're doing it for the money. They mm-hmm. aren't, you know, doing it to create. create That's what know, I'm
1: thinking, and 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 yet, like I, I think about why I like Roy Thomas's adaptations of Robert E. Howard stuff so much. I think it's almost exclusively because he, when he's adapting, he just takes the text and re- reduces it. Like he's basically summarizing or not summarizing. He's, um, abridging the stories. And then the artist contributes, you know, these great visualizations. Why isn't there a Jorel of Jory comic? I think that it's all visualizations there. It's very, it, and it should be done in color too. Or at least have yeah. those colored colored prose that's in there. It would it would look amazing.
4: I mean, they could do a crossover with Jarrell and Conan in the Marvel Universe.
1: <laughs> no, don't do it.
4: <laughs> uh, well, maybe that's the only way we'd get jor into a comic, is if we bring her into the modern day, have her run into uh, the Fantastic Four or something. Okay, maybe that would <laughs> <laughs> be Fantastic the,
2: Four is not sure a not good fit. <laughs> <laughs> no. I don't know, Jesse. Like, your original question, like public domain characters, and and did something. I mean, the Ring cycle. Yeah, Wagner. Yeah, I mean that's But, an the, but
1: really, author, think, or, or, or,
4: think or, or, or of think of or author. But I mean, are those mythologic are they mythological
1: characters like- or are they or are they? Um, and that's an adaptation as well, right? Which is not the same thing at all.
2: Well, he's kind of doing his own thing. I mean, it's not an adaptation of any single
1: work no but he's taking these i you know the the i I guess neil gaiman does the same thing right he he says odin i'm gonna write a story (laughs) right but it isn't there is a guy who who wrote odin's story before right and he's lifting from that guy it's from the collective humanity
2: well there are guys who wrote the Norse mythology stories.
4: Oh, oh, oh yeah, have you have you guys read uh, or listened to Neil Gaiman? There is a source. There is
2: a. I mean, there is a ring of the Nibelungen like text, right? Written by someone. For
3: yeah. Decades, yeah, Conan had a very poor reputation because the only version people had access to was Lynn Carter's. That's what uh, I'm
1: saying. Conan. And those those are weak. Like they yeah. they dilute the the power. And you think, oh well, that story was inconsistent. What's the difference? They all say Robert E. Howard on the cover and I I'm reading it I'm like, yeah, this one sucks. Mm. Mm. Anyways, I that's sort of off the but the, the reason I br- brought all this up is like she's got a voice, right? And she don't care about the plot so much. She got to care about the description of the scene and the feeling. And and then the, there is a like like if you that's how I felt about Tree of Life and Chambleau. Is that like, if you compress the, the actions, uh, not the description of the action or, or the surrounding or the feeling about them or the reflections on any of that stuff. If you compress the actions of the plot, the story doesn't need to be an hour and a half long. It could be like 20 minutes long or less. They're very drawn out. That time, the time, uh, where it's set, you know, between a thousand years. Is also like a thousand years of being in this underworld where there's the roots of a tree that you know tell us uh, where the magic is from, and there's beings and creatures and elves and all sorts of things under there
3: mm-hmm.
1: that need to be waded through. Uh, all all of that description is what takes the time, and that's her focus. And yeah, uh, maybe the tastes have changed. Maybe she tried to sell another story to Weird Tales, and they said, "We're done." That's possible.
3: Well, the, the the thing about the description is it's it's just very emotionally charged. Like the language mm-hmm. is emotionally charged, and she gives emotion to you know inanimate objects mm-hmm. and uh, you know monsters. It's it's all just very tumultuous uh, the, the way she um, you know does it absolutely
1: have mm. we got any left to say on this one
3: no
4: I, th- I, I think we've come to I think we've come to a conclusion I really enjoyed going back to Jarrell and seeing these stories and I don't think I and now that I think about it, I don't think I've actually I actually read star Stone I think I, I think I had didn't have it in as as you had mentioned before Scott so that it was nice to see Northwest Smith in in a different context, even though I think, I, I think again, the sea stars aren't plot, they're, they're mood, mood and, uh, and ambiance. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that makes them better as audiobooks and reading because, because I was able to just immerse myself, just listening and exercising and putting myself into Jarrell's world. And I think that that's valuable for readers today too.
2: hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. I, uh, Tweeted out the uh, all the illustrations for these stories from Weird Tales. They're all they are all in Weird Tales, I think. Yeah, all of them, yeah. every single one. Um, so yeah, th- there was a very narrow market for it. Um, the way the Weird Tales market developed is a lot of editors had these stories that they wanted to publish and couldn't find a market because it's not a railroad story. <laughs> it's not a ranch romance. Uh, a ranch romance. It's not, you know, a science fiction story. They can't publish it because there's no market for it. And then they just made, hey, how about we got a market for all these weird stories that have been piling up? And people are like, damn, yeah, these are good writers. These are, this is good writing.
3: You know, even before Weird Tales, uh, you know, in Argosy, they had a genre, which I think it was called like different stories. Yeah. Yeah, um and they were just like, you know, the weird stuff like um like uh
1: a lot of A merit would be in there.
3: Yeah, a lot a lot of A Merit and also like Geisy and um I'm just looking for something on my book and, and the, the Blind Spot by um A by what, yeah or Ian Flint. You know that that the former Ian that would... Flint, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> so that there were there were predecessors Absolutely. in the hopes to the weird tales all the
1: francis stevens stuff except for her i think her very last story was in those kind of magazines and then the very first issue i think of weird tales uh has her story sunfire which mm-hmm. uh, she was she was definitely writing that stuff she was writing all sorts of stuff that was definitely weird and uh yeah and science fiction and uh superhero she invented the superhero genre just so everybody knows
3: <laughs> no, no, no one person invented it she
1: absolutely invented the superhero genre <laughs> if you read We've that had story that i know I'm, it's so cool i not
4: necessarily think you're wrong but it's it's, it's, it's worthwhile to point it, out it's a,
1: absolutely she gets uh she has the character get his superpower in a unique way, like Spider Man gets his or whatever, and then she he has these superpowers and it's irreproducible. Nobody else can do it. It's the specific kind of superpower like Superman has or Spider Man or Iron no not Iron Man. Um <laughs> I don't know. The the people get bit by bugs.
2: <laughs> that's, superheroes that's, that's spy- exposed that's to
1: radiation superheroes, you know.
4: Spider Man and the Hulk, basically.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. or even Captain America, right? It's
4: Yeah. Yeah, be be yeah, because in one of the in one of the Marvel movies they suggest that the reason why Banner injected himself with the stuff was because he was trying to replicate Captain America, which is an interesting retcon, but I don't remember that from the comics. That I accept like Doesn't okay, matter. that makes sense. That Doesn't they were trying to do this yeah. thing that they did decades ago and haven't been able to redo. Yeah. I I, I, I wind up with about the Hulk.
1: I won't uh, insist that I'm right. I'll just point you to the story and say, look, I'm right. <laughs> it's called uh, the a Curious... Too bad,
4: you're <laughs>
1: What's it called? The, the Curious Case of Thomas Dunbar? Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, it, it's so weird that it just stands there all by itself in 1904 saying, I'm a superhero story, and they have to wait 30 years for them to actually come into existence after that. Weird. We- weird. Very distinctive
0: writers, these people. This has been the SFF Audio Podcast. Please join us at www.sffaudio.com. And thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, consider becoming a patron at patreon.com forward Legal snags by telling people they're being recorded. <laughs> so I just did. You guys should all. Do you guys all see that. I refuse to be recorded <laughs> on this podcast. How dare well, you?
4: I, yes, it says Scott is recording the call.
0: Good. All right. Um, and don't forget, Jesse, if uh-huh. you wouldn't mind asking me at the beginning. Oh, yeah, yeah. What led us? What led me to want to do this? All and right. then I can. That way I can mention Brian Murphy and. Skyboat. See, now you just ruined it because
1: I, well, I, I know what you're going to say is the answer. So now I have to do it all convolutedly. <laughs> oh, it's <Jesse>. all broken. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm the sorry. worst actor in the world. Oh, can I can't pretend. <laughs> there we go.
4: Yeah, oh I, I can do it. I, 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 can, I can do it. Let this seem natural.
1: <laughs> okay. Oh, shoot. okay. I'm going to just save my poem. You guys thought I was joking about that, but I
0: was not. No, joking. I know you. How many pages is, like... it? is it? Is uh, it's it's no a books?
1: text document, um, nope. It's so it's just, you know, it's uh, right. not in page format. Uh, let me just see how many
0: uh, I'm, I'm kilobytes it is. There's no reason. It's, it's fine. Jarrell yeah. of You don't something. need to. And it's
1: uh six megabytes. <laughs> 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 a six megabyte dot .txt file, I should tell you. <laughs> How many hours no, it's going mean, to take. So, no, so, so it's just an kidding. epic poem. Is <laughs> 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 oh my goodness.
3: Oh, Paradise I no Lost.
1: Yes, <laughs> Paradise Lost in...